Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's time for our listener mail segment. Uh, and uh, as you know, as we are wont to do, a brief peek behind the curtain, conspiracy realist, uh, we have one of our, not this episode, but hopefully an upcoming episode, we'll have one of our favorite returning callers making an appearance and bringing a little more uh, weird light to the world. So do stay tuned. Yes. And, and shout out to all truckers who are listening to this right now in a big rig. Shout out to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sorry about the horns on those Peter belts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I've, I've also, in a previous life on car stuff, I've also noticed the wimpification of car horns now, and I think it's on purpose. Uh, but, but be that as it may, maybe a story for another day when we talk about the uh, first flying car that also got approved in Europe, well, uh, Google, uh, Google as you will. Sorry, just, go ahead. No, just to your point, Ben, I think the reason for that is probably to keep people from getting into, like, road rage incidents, because uh, nothing worse than an aggressive horn being laid on. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're flying into a, a rage and you're getting out of your car and bludgeoning someone to death with like a screwdriver. Can you bludgeon with a screwdriver? That'd be more of a stabbing. But, you know, a little dainty horn, harder to trigger that kind of reaction. That's my two cents. I, I, Maybe, I, yeah. I, yield, I yield the floor. <laughs> uh, I mean, we I went down a rabbit hole with that before, uh, just before we begin, um, with programmable customizable car horn noises. You know, the auga is the most popular one. But one time I ran into a guy who had kitted out a vintage VW bug so that it, when he hit the horn, 
it played that uh, horrendous sound goats make that sounds like a person yelling. <laughs> so, that one? Oh, it's worse. Have you looked it up? There are no. clips of it. It's it's like, ah! Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right, That's I pretty great. So uh, maybe that'll work, truckers. Let us know uh, if you're allowed to customize your horns. But... While you are, uh, while you're composing your email or your call to us, where we're one eight three three STDWYTK, we would like to share some stories with you, running the gamut between some uh, very obscure rituals, uh, uh, conspiracy in the world of music and entertainment. Uh, that's pretty well, at least something that I was very invested in for a time. And uh, some more responses to our earlier work on the troubled teen industry, as well as what's often called uh, conversion therapy, which, again, I think we've all, or at least I've made pretty strong oppositional stance to this one. So some of these conversations may be familiar to you and to our fellow listeners, but we received something fascinating something bizarre that you pointed out matt and for people who dig into this stuff constantly it was surprisingly arduous to find more information at least on my end oh no you're you're absolutely correct uh let's go ahead and let's throw to this this is a voicemail that we received uh, a while back and we'll move on from there after listening to it hi guys i'm going to be anonymous for this one because this was shared with me in confidentiality but I just was listening to your episode about curses and I'm undecided as to whether or not they're real, but this story that I heard was extremely compelling and also affected me when it was shared with me. So this story is from Alberta. I think I'm not positive about that, but I think it's from Alberta to help you narrow it down. So there is a woman and I also don't know the time frame. There was a woman who murdered her husband to use either the act of murder or his body or his blood or something in some type of ritual and was then caught and charged for murder. And she cursed everyone involved with her trial, the police officers, the lawyers, the judge, whoever else would be kind of more intimately involved with such a such a trial and within I think a year maybe less of her cursing this group of people one of them got brain cancer another got another form of cancer that later killed him I think some of the police officers also became ill but I can't remember the details if you guys wanted to dig into this I know it's rather light on the identifying detail, but I really can't share um, more with you without either betraying my confidence or also just my memory is not fantastic. I heard several years ago, but loving your show, guys. Keep it up. I'm really happy there's more to listen to every week. And if you find anything, I'd love to hear about it on your show later. Bye. Okay. So we mm. got that message. And immediately, we we were interested. I, you know, personally was searching everywhere I possibly could online. I was looking through dated articles from, you know, that time frame that she gave. Uh, it could have been anywhere between five years to a decade to maybe even longer. I mm. searched every year, specifically in Alberta and different parts of Canada, and I couldn't find any court cases, any legal documents, any even trials that would come close to the details that existed here. Um, I couldn't find any criminal, like criminal justice statements, even or press releases that would that came anywhere close to this story that was told to us on that listener mail. It's kind of like. Walking into a blockbuster, if anybody remembers those, and saying, I'm looking for that movie with the person. Yeah, the guy with the, the eyebrows. Thing, yeah. You yeah. know, or a record yeah. store where it's like, you know, the one with the, um, what are they called? Drums. It's the one with the drums. 
but Alberta, yes. you're right, Matt. Alberta was in the message from uh, our dear anonymous caller, and I looked as well and was having some difficulty finding it. So I'm I'm reassured if I know you could you were having some obstacles too. Well, I wasn't satisfied there, so mm-hmm. I called this person who mm-hmm. left this message, and after getting this person's voicemail, I realized why um, anonymity was important and why perhaps there we couldn't get more details from that end. We ended up actually connecting. I talked to this person for quite a while, and the two of us together attempted to track down something, some kind of breadcrumb that existed online, uh, and we were unsuccessful. So then it moved to searching for some occurrence where a spouse was killed for a for ritual purposes of some kind then there was a trial and a public cursing that occurred within that trial i know that sounds weird maybe it's not something that would be reported on i couldn't find it anywhere in the world where this specific thing had occurred but i found something very interesting that may be associated with it, but I don't think so because of the time frame. So I want to read through this story that I did find that unfortunately comes from a rather dubious source. I'm just going to read you the headline and brace yourselves. It comes from mirror.co.uk. Okay, here we go. Wife murders abusive husband in perverted black magic ritual. Okay, it's at least closer to a lot of the other stuff I found, just with the headline. It says, the suspect tried to hide the smell of the rotting corpse with incense, but later confessed. Okay, already grisly. Uh, I'll take you through some of the details here. The woman's name is Clea Fernanda Maximo de Silva, and allegedly she confessed to murdering uh, this person, Carlo Cicelli, who, again, in the mirror is reportedly her husband, but then if you look at the... Uh, at the subtitles on some of the images, he is referred to as her boyfriend. So I'm a little unsure as to to what their relationship was. But according to at least the mirror.co.uk, she essentially enacted revenge on this person that was abusive to her. And she did it in a kind of a weird way. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is that this was from November 2018 when it was posted. Um so I don't think this is the the case which we're which our caller was referring to, but uh, Ben, you said there there are some Brazilian sources that have slightly better information, maybe. Well, they have uh, some local sources we found have a few more details about the case. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the testimony of Clea's teenager. The testimony of her 14-year-old son is what really sealed the deal, which is uh, distressing to say the least, because for a time he was just considered missing. And people go missing every single hour of every single day. She said that she had killed him during a black magic ritual that she had been forced to participate in against her will. Uh, she also says that when she met Sicello, uh, she met him in Italy, right? And when she first met him, he came up to her with like a kit that had crack cocaine and stuff in it. So he was, uh, he was living wild. Uh, and it takes us to a troubling point, I think, based on the local reports, which is, did she feel as though she was acting in self-defense, you know what I mean? Already, like, being forced to participate in a magic ritual, being forced to participate in anything is already a very uh, very dangerous proposition, right? Because you're not consenting to it. Uh, and she did confess, I believe. She came forward and said, yes, I did it, but here's why. Uh, and she also said she had been assaulted by this lawyer multiple times times neighbors were unsuspicious by the way if if that if her son hadn't said anything uh then it's possible that if she didn't get away it could have uh the case could have continued at least for a while but when when they found him he had been dead for 39 days so wow 
so there's like a Faulkner a- aspect to it, a Faulkner-esque aspect. It's like Rose for Emily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's intense stuff. And again, like if you're trying to find English language news sources on this, you are essentially out of luck unless you're willing to read the Daily Star or Mirror, uh, mirror.co.uk. Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit frustrating. Like I want to know more about this, but as I'm going through Google Translate, will only take you so far uh, as to getting a full understanding of what's going on. Um, because I don't see anything further. Do you see anything, Ben, past 2018 when charges were initially brought on her? Because as of as of this article, she De Silva was in was being held essentially, but no charges had been brought at that time. Yeah. So I, without doing the the same amount of digging, I would do for like a full episode on this. Uh, I'm I'm seeing some dead end trails. I'd need a little more time to teach myself enough Portuguese. To, yeah, I got you, got you. To, okay. to figure out all of this, but um, we do know that back in November about of 2018, two years ago, uh, the police still had not ruled out possible additional suspects. I mean, the idea of magical ritual does open up the possibility that there could have been other people involved to one degree or another. Uh, So right now, like as of that point uh, in an article you can read on Gazetta web uh, investigators were still trying to figure out uh, whether the motive for the murder was revenge or self-defense or whether it was financial. Uh, because this, uh, the Italian national, the lawyer, had been uh, relying on his family in Italy for money, possibly under pressure from his uh, his relationship in Brazil. So it's sticky, and I think we do need to we do need to find some more local reporting, at least maybe at least a 2019 or something. We have to consider too that it may have, you know, it's it's quite possible. The trail is going a little cold just because COVID has massively slowed a lot of court proceedings throughout Brazil and the world. For sure. And and just so you know, if you are looking through and attempting, as we did, to find this particular story, you will see several coming out of, uh, I see one story from Zimbabwe that I was following up on, one from Ghana, a uh, couple other stories there's one from cbc about a a pagan fire ritual that went Mm. wrong and a woman ended up getting badly burned and then perishing from her wounds but nothing that is nothing that is lining up so if you somehow know about this story know something that occurred and can send us information whether it is in writing uh, if you can just call and leave some more information about it, if you can find us, you know, especially uh, some kind of news story, please send it our way. We would love to know more. Maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's not real. Maybe it's not something that happened and we, <laughs> the joke is on us. But if not, please, please, and you know anything, send us your information. We would love to hear from you. Agreed. And with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with some more listener mail. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. all right and we're back more listener mail um if you fellas don't mind i'd like to uh do one that's largely going to be uh some excerpts from a very very thoughtful listener mail um that an anonymous listener wrote us about conversion therapy um it's quite long i didn't want to give short shrift to this super thoughtful and confessional telling of, of an inside perspective on conversion therapy. As many folks may know, that's the concept of going into a treatment, hard quote fingers there, that um, will remove any same-sex attraction, let's say. And it is uh, heavily based in religion, usually extreme forms of evangelical religion. And it has been described often by those who've experienced it as psychological abuse, gaslighting, you know, a litany of pretty nasty manipulative techniques that go into what is essentially convincing someone that what they are inherently is bad and is against this religion. And often the folks that allow themselves to be to submit to it, I mean, often it can be, you know, forced upon them by very strong, you know, heavy handed parents, perhaps at a young age. But a lot of times it's done willingly because there's a lot of guilt and a lot of, um, Self-loathing wrapped up in the choice to be who you are or who you feel that you are and what your religion says that thing means in terms of the content of your – the quality of your character. Uh, so let's just get right into it. On a recent podcast, you mentioned conversion therapy. I had a years-long involvement with various facets of conversion therapy, and while it was not the most malicious type, I was not subjected to any physical abuse. It was far from benign. I am a Mormon. Growing up in a small town in Idaho, homosexuality was rarely spoken of. When it was, it was in the form of my dad being disgusted by the pride parade taking place in a nearby town or when it was given as a reason to turn off a movie. But those occurrences were rare. It was mostly unspoken. Hence, I did not know I was gay through my teenage years. I actually believed you didn't develop romantic feelings for someone until after you started kissing. So I said, I just won't kiss until I'm ready to get married. Um, looking back, I had many crushes from my science teacher in seventh grade to the ginger who sat next to me in eighth or my best friend in high school who I just wanted to grow old and live in the house next door with him. Um, I didn't have the vocabulary, so I contorted my views to fit the version of reality I was taught. I did the Mormon mission for two years from ages 19 to 21. Here is where I could no longer deny I was different. I was assigned a companion. Uh, who I was told to be within eye or earshot 24-7. 
It was here, apart from my family and friends, with only my religion that I started a 15-year journey to acceptance. I had an incident when I was roughhousing with an elder. Um, I was broken. I could not deny these were sexual feelings. I told the president of the mission, who sent me to a vetted psychologist, vetted by, of course, the church. Um, I was sure I was going to hell. How could I allow myself to become gay? I read books from church authorities on the matter. They all said that this was something that could be overcome. They gave various reasons I was this way. Perhaps my parents didn't show enough affection in front of me. One said masturbation led to homosexuality. If that were the case, there would be a lot more gay people around. Um, here and then he links some uh, to some of the books that he was you know, given in this program, all of which are out of print. Um, but I poured over those and many others, and I was sent to a therapist. I didn't want to say what happened. I was ashamed. Eventually, I told the man. He then asked me 20 questions to determine if I was indeed gay. He concluded that because I had not had sex with a man, I was not a homosexual. He said my problem was the sin of ingratitude for the body God gave me. And if I were grateful, I could overcome it, even by my confused state. I knew that didn't make sense, but I left our visits resolved to get married and send the man a wedding invitation to show him his faith in my straightness had been correct. So, I mean, that in and of itself uh, speaks volumes to this kind of, uh, what would you say, institutionalized rejection of, of something that I think we most of us hopefully can accept is very much just a part of, you know, who people are. Uh, I, th I think society has largely evolved beyond this notion that, that you know, your sexual proclivities are a choice. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I think there's, there's definitely more to this and, and his journey, you know, to finally accepting this because he obviously comes full circle um, and has accepted the fact that he is gay. It led to seeing several of these conversion therapists, one of which um, he uh, talks about his experience with just someone basically saying, just ignore it. If you focus on it too much, you reinforce this pattern um, and you'll like men more than before. And of course, that didn't work. And then he has some links to uh, an article from The Guardian uh, from this gentleman's practice about this gentleman's practice in his website. Um, and then, of course, struggle with depression, and he never, you know, just completely closing himself off to any of these experiences, never experimenting with another man, just like looking at this as a, an absolute sentence to, you know, eternity in, in hell. Um, and then he, he signs up for something called Journey into Manhood, and, uh, and then that's where he says, and in Ben's best voice, here's where it gets crazy. So this is this is the important part here. Journey into Manhood, or JIM, as its participants call it, is a 72-hour experimental weekend. They don't tell you before what will happen. They said it needs to remain a secret to have the greatest effect. When I signed up, I planned on driving myself so I could easily leave if I didn't like what was going on. I was contacted by the travel coordinator and pressured into carpooling. This is all very red flag. They said there was limited parking on site. Lie, he says in parentheses, and they would really prefer I drive with someone. So I did. In fact, I went in someone else's car so much for being able to leave early. The group driver was so instructed to collect all cell phones and lock them in his car so you would not have any distraction during the weekend. We arrived at the repurposed summer camp in the afternoon. I gave them three postponed, post-dated checks to cover the $690 tuition and was given an agreement to sign. Part of the agreement included a $5,000 payment to the organization if I spoke ill of it online or revealed any of the secrets of the weekend. Uh, and then he links to a Medium article that does just that. Uh, and he says his experiences were very similar. He mainly did exercises designed to elicit a cathartic response. He remembers the holding. Uh, when you ask a man to hold you, sure, that makes you feel good, especially if you're gay. But how does that make you straight? I resisted this. It didn't make sense. They told us to find someone in the group who gave us a charge. I went for a frumpy old man I had no charge for. This is the first time I've been physical with a man. Sure, they said it wasn't romantic. And for me, it wasn't. But they were breaking down the barriers for all of us. In this instance and others, I felt immense pressure to participate in this holding. As a gathering uh, after the weekend, when I refused, the group leader instructed the group of 12 or so men to stare at me for five minutes. I didn't crack. It just seemed weird. So I think this is – we should probably use this and, and, and reach out to this listener and – uh 
I think this definitely warrants another episode, a full episode, you know, on this idea of conversion therapy, because it's it seems very similar to the, the, the news article we did, Matt, um, that you found about these kind of kidnapping, you know, uh, groups that, that like try to whip, you know, problem children into shape, you know, but this is even more nefarious, it seems. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's very strange. There's a lot here that this person sent to us. Um, and you know, we had discussed possibly covering conversion therapy in a larger context. And I think this email is probably a good reason to do that. This, this whole, what what was it called? Uh, journey into manhood. That's right. 72 hour weekend. Um, that article, there's an article from medium.com that he sent here and it is a very interesting psychological thing that is placed on on individuals to me it is uh it's definitely troubling that this is still occurring because it's not as though these kinds of co- conversion therapy institutions camps programs have gone away you know you're you're talking about how Noel Shirley that we've kind of changed, right? But I think on an individual level, it's happening. And uh, on a cultural level, it the change is happening, but it is still, there is a lot of work to be done still to get society as, as a whole, as one united front to say, yes, uh, you know, we, we are who we are and that is okay outside of any, you know, societal or religious context. Yeah, no, that's right, Matt. And, and I, again, I'm saying, I think sometimes we, we are, we exist, not that we're putting blinders on or closing ourselves off from the world, but we exist in a little bit of a bubble with the people that we know and interact with that we all, you know, this has never been an issue. And, and again, like my kid and your kid and, and, and a lot of kids of, you know, friends we have our age are growing up without any preconceived ideas about this stuff. But we have to also remember that they're not growing up in these very heavily dogmatic kind of environments. And that stuff is hard to shake, you know, and you can't blame the the kid and then ultimately the adult for struggling with these things when it's all they've ever been shown, you know, and, and, and the, the, the saddest part of this email is, is the ending. I mean, he talks about like happy ending, maybe, not really, because it's like he says, I'm, I'm, I've, he's essentially accepted that he's gay, but he doesn't date men, and he still works within the church. Um, he says, well, I don't date women. I also don't date men. I have a good life if you ignore the lack of romance. Um, I have some amazing friends who know I'm gay and don't care. Would they care if I were not the safe Mormon and dating men? I don't know. I find that heartbreaking, you know, it's like yeah. to, to say, okay, I've accepted this thing about myself, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And, and I'm not even sure if my friends would accept me if I did. Um, and I would just say to, to the, this, this listener, you can do better than that. You know, I think, I mean, in terms of the people you surround yourself with, I'm not, I mean, whatever, I, who am I to say what your life should be or what your level of comfort should be? This is all so complicated. And for, let me retract that. I just mean, you know, I think it's possible that there's a version of this that you don't have to feel like you're looking over your shoulder or like, what if I, I, I'm not accepted because I decide to go and become, go further into this thing, you know, which is just, I'm making it sound like it's some kind of crazy thing. It's literally just having romantic attachment to your chosen gender. Hmm. You know, it's just, I mean, I just, it's, it's hard for me to say that that's all, all there is and, and all there needs to be. And, and, but, but again, it's not my life, but it just makes me, Hey, yeah. I wanted to get into one more thing that's written in this email that we received from our listener. Um, and he's speaking about after going to this 72 hour thing that they call journey into manhood. Uh, he says there are holding nights where you get together and sign a paper, never to reveal what happens. Then you all hold each other. We, we touched okay. on that briefly, but this is like an actual we, event based around this practice. But, and this is after you're done with that 72 hour camp essentially there's like it's an organization that you are now working with and have going to meetings essentially um and what he's saying is that it's a breeding ground for grooming 
And this is really the stuff they don't want you to know in this. Older men would call up young men to, quote, get their needs met, which means holding. And while you can always say no, you're taught that this is important for you to provide this for others. This person would see 60-year-olds calling 19-year-olds for holding nights. And he's just saying that it's insidious because it is sold to you in one way. This is a means to cure the ailment, and I'm giving massive quotation marks here, that this program is attempting to cure, to work on, when in actuality it appears to be something very, very different. And he goes on to say that what you don't realize while you're going through this program is that what you're doing is actually just cuddling with someone and the romantic feelings are very natural when you're, when you're in that position, when, when, you're, when you're taking that action. And it's just this very strange thing, this journey into manhood thing that I think we just, I want to look into it further. I want to understand what is actually going on there um, because it does feel, it does feel very, very odd to me. Yeah, agreed. This is, first off, Anonymous, thank you for writing to us with um, with the harrowing, as we said earlier, a crucially important account. Uh, it's often said that we do not know how we affect people we never will we'll never meet, you know. And one of the reasons that this is a personal episode. Honestly, one of the reasons I've been quiet during this segment is because I have some, again, very strong personal opinions and opposition to these kinds of practices. I do want to be objective, uh, and we'll do so in a future episode, but anonymous on behalf of everyone who is listening to this and may find themselves in a similar situation, um, thank you, because you are doing a tremendous service by uh, by sharing your experience. And it, and it couldn't have been easy to tell us this story, to write this email. I think it's important for us to kick a few statistics to your earlier point, Noel, about the possibility of living in a bubble. As of June 2019, uh, 18 states have banned healthcare professionals from using conversion therapy but it's difficult to prosecute because it comes under a couple of different names, you know? And again, that's not anywhere near a majority of states just in this country that have banned it. Uh, this stuff has been, it's active in some form for over a century. Uh, I don't want to get lost in numbers again, uh, but there there's a, a wealth of information out there that indicates how damaging this can be. So we are doing an episode about this. We need to hear from you uh, if you are okay sharing, um, and we will keep an anonymity if you wish. Uh, but in the interim, for anybody who is struggling at this time, we would highly recommend checking out something called The Trevor Project, founded in 1998. It's the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to LGBTQ people under the age of 25. Uh, you can call them directly. Whenever you're, you are hearing this, you can, like our number is well and good, please call us. But if you need help, call this number first, 1-866-488-7386. Thanks, Ben. I think that's super helpful and something that uh, many folks could certainly benefit from. Um, and, and again, thanks, Anonymous, for the uh, incredibly informative um, email. And I think there's a lot more to unpack here. Uh, moving forward. So let's do that uh, in, a, in a larger episode, I think, in the future. And in the meantime, we'll take a quick break and then have a little more listener mail. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have returned for one more piece of listener correspondence. Anonymous, you wrote in and asked us uh, a question that I think... uh, I think it's been on all three of our minds, but uh, Matt, I think you and I had speculated about this at length in days of yore. Oh, yeah. Let's let's hear it. Hey, guys. I listen to your show quite a bit. Uh, big, big fan. I've called a couple times with some pretty ridiculous stuff, but I actually do have a pretty cool, um, you know, just like something that, that's bothered me for a long time. Uh, not necessarily bothered, but this is an open-ended question. Uh, with the death of Notorious B.I.G. It seems like it just happened and uh, it was never really resolved. There were some leads and then it was just like case closed. And I kind of had done my own little bit of research a few days ago and it's so much bigger than just a quick Google search. I mean, there's so many conspiratorial things out there and um, people who are very passionate about, you know, what they believe actually happened, you know, from an inside job with the LAPD to rival gang stuff. And it would just be cool to listen to a full breakdown of, of your guys' opinion. Anyway, that's all I got. Talk to you later. I don't care if you uh, air my voice. Bye. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just laughing uh, because I'm so thankful that you included that last bit there, Anonymous, that we could use your voice. That's my cat. Leave it in. Anonymous, thank you so much for calling in. You're asking us about one of the legends in both the world of hip-hop and the world of conspiracy, the death of Christopher Wallace, also known as Biggie Smalls, also known as the Notorious B.I.G. In 1997, on March 9th, Wallace was fatally shot at a stoplight in Los Angeles. At the time, the murder was thought to be a culmination of an ongoing feud between uh, East and West Coast music collectives, right? Because Tupac Shakur had been uh, murdered just six months before. And this, in this point, in this fertile conspiratorial soil, uh, there were many people already arguing that Tupac had faked his death and was living in Cuba. And you'll see people arguing that today, especially the with the um, obsessive parsing of lyrics and symbols as interpreted through album covers. That includes me, by the way. What's that? I think Tupac's still alive in Cuba. You think so? 
<laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, I thought it for a really long time. Like, I thought he was going to come back in seven years because of the whole seven-day theory. Mm-hmm. So after the seven years passed, I was like, okay, maybe he actually is dead. Or maybe he's just never coming back. I think we were all kind of holding out for for that seven-year window. It was very much a what-if window. Uh, yes. Interestingly enough, we haven't seen as much conspiratorial stuff related to B.I.G. Uh, as we have with Tupac Shakur. But there's a very, you know, there's a very American genre of conspiracy. We don't like to let our celebrities die, right? Kurt Cobain, Elvis Presley, numerous actors of yesteryear. Um, I guess to start off this conversation, I would ask, you know, uh, what do you guys remember when uh, Notorious B.I.G. got shot? We're all pretty young, I think. Sure. Yeah. In my mind, I want to say it was like 94, 95, but I think it was later. I think it was like more like 97, you know? Yep. Yep. March 9th, 1997. I do remember, like maybe not as viscerally, because I, I, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just wasn't as much of a hip hop fan at that time yet. And so it wasn't as much on my radar. Of course, it was a big story. Um, I did not know the music of either Tupac or Biggie at the time. Um, and so like something like Kurt Cobain's suicide was much more on my radar than that. But because of the way it was picked up by the zeitgeist and became instantly this fodder for, you know, uh, foul play and conspiracy talk, it certainly uh, caught my interest pretty quickly. Yeah, it was certainly a, a very, very big deal uh, when it occurred. Um, similarly, I, my musical tastes were elsewhere at the time. Um, like I told you guys, it was all Christian rock all all day, all all, all the time. And uh, fortunately, unfortunately, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac were both speaking above my head at the time. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a big deal. I, and I think, I think what's so visceral is like the MTV news reports sure. and how much was made in that realm early on after, after both deaths. And there was so much, there was so much mystery to it, but at the same time it felt like, Oh, these are two major figures within the realm mm. of this new rap world where there is, there is fighting on either end of the United States about, you know, who rules, who rules this new space that it felt almost mythical in a way, like mm-hmm. right off the bat when it, when the news broke. And yeah. I think that really, that really led to the speculation. I don't know. That has just continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. Yeah. I, I think it's astute, man. a Greek tragedy. Uh, with larger-than-life characters and uh, their own misfortunes writ large in a way that is to a degree anomalous with uh, the struggles the U.S. culture overall encounters at the time. You know, it shows how uh, one conspiracy leads inevitably to the next. LAPD at that time, and for years afterwards, was uh, cartoonishly corrupt, and they were in charge of the investigation, right? And, And consider that in 2003, uh, uh, a friend of Suge Knight's, uh, who will be familiar with anyone familiar with this story, named Wardell Pucci, was uh, was suspected of being the trigger man, if not the ultimate power behind the bullet in the death of B.I.G. In 2003, he was murdered. Which, of course, if you think there's something more sketchy to the story, that, uh, then, of course, that seems like evidence of a greater conspiracy. Interestingly enough, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but so Biggie was shot uh, in 1997, March 9th. Part of the reason the conspiracies grew was because Biggie's autopsy report was not released until December of 2012, 15 years after his murder. Wow. Wow. I wonder what what caused it to come out then. It must have been it must have been some people looking into it, um, some researchers who are maybe working on a project for, you know, entertainment purposes, film or television, doing a documentary or something. I wonder if they uncovered it and got it released through Freedom of Information or something. That's fascinating. It's a good question, you know. And just like the, uh, just like, as you said, uh, the Greek tragedies 
right? Uh, Tupac and Biggie both used to be friends. And then, uh, and then they met with such untimely ends. The largest conspiracy theories about this are typically going to implicate uh, Suge Knight directly as the orchestrator, the composer of this, um, this terrible event. But at this point, both murders, Tupac Shakur and Notorious B.I.G., remain officially unsolved, which, which is bizarre because you would think in the case of uh, this level of celebrity, this level of renown, uh, that they would, there would be much more effort put into figuring out what happened. And again, that's not to say there wasn't effort put into it, but that is to say that that effort officially uh, seems to have met with Bupkis. Uh, there were multiple civil lawsuits against LAPD, against you know local authorities. There have been numerous works, documentaries, serious journalism, such as the murder of Biggie Smalls in 2000, so before the autopsy was released, where uh, journalist Kathy Scott said that the record companies might have had a dirty hand to play in this which sounds nuts, but think about it. They, the, both of these people are prodigious artists. They have a, a catalog such that they're continuing to make albums posthumously, right? Did the record companies figure that the rappers were worth more dead than they were alive? That's troubling. Mm. Yikes. Yeah, that is really scary. And that, that's a terrifying actual calculation, when something terrible happens to someone who is rising in popularity, if they die, then those works will, you'll never get another album, right? So then immediately the price of those albums skyrocket. That, that is, that's an awful reality. Well, it's, it's, to the, face. it's the same where like you have like, you know, Prince passing away or David Bowie passing away. And all of a sudden their back catalog is just selling like hotcakes for to people that maybe never even cared or like, you know, gave them the time of day. It's the same thing with that. When there's like tragedy behind something or some level of mystery, especially it just reinvigorates people's imagination and their interest in it. And then you're right. Those become like these sacred documents that, yeah, you could argue, well, doesn't it make more sense than to just keep making more product or does it make more sense to like, you know, sanctify these handful of records that then will like sell great forever and all time? I don't know. It seems like a stretch to me. The notion that the record labels in some way orchestrated this to manufacture, maybe manufacturing beef, but certainly not like having. Well, I don't know. They were essentially both of these labels, especially Death Row. You know, they were, they were, we're a criminal organization. I mean, you have to hear stories about Suge Knight intimidating people, you know, pistol whipping people in public. I mean, he is in prison for, I think, running over a gentleman with his car. Um, and it's on, you know, security cameras. So it's certainly like when we say the record label, we're not talking about a bunch of like, you know, executives in a suite at Capitol Records. These labels had genuine beef that came from East Coast, West Coast criminal rivalry as well. Mm. It does feel like a stretch. But at the same time, man, I don't know. I'm just looking into posthumous albums now. And now, I, now I'm just going to go down that rabbit hole for a while and find out what kinds of albums came out after the death of an artist by a label or a trust or... You know, mm. some some entity that is representing an artist that died. Yeah, I I quite enjoy that idea, Matt, um, because it could go across genres of music. But I would I would say we don't have to go to an extreme level of a record company purposely orchestrating murder. They could have. Uh, they could have done other things that are sort of in between those extremes. They could have known something was probable or possible and decided not to intervene for one reason or another. Uh, they could have just, you know, accelerated this beef to sell records and then later been unable to control the escalation of it. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, there's the idea that they could be Alive. The problem with that in the case of B.I.G. is that uh, you remember a second ago I mentioned the 
release of the autopsy in 2012 in December, the LAPD argued that that was to help generate new leads on the case. And the lawyer for the estate was livid about this. Perry Sanders Jr. at the time came out publicly and said, I I thought you would like this quote. It's juicy. Sanders Jr. said, What legitimate lead could be stimulated by releasing an autopsy that says Mr. Wallace was shot when everyone knows that? Why don't they release some of the clues they have? So the idea here is that there's something else LAPD still has uh, years and years later that they haven't released. Do you guys think that's likely? Yeah, if if I'm not mistaken, in in this uh, slow burn season three uh, podcast series on, you know, the murder of, of Biggie and Tupac um, and the way those two crimes connected, there is some kind of revelation they, they, they come out with, if I'm not mistaken. And I know there's a lot of uh, stuff that the LAPD covered up and there are some kind of tell-all books from former LAPD cops that, that do shed some light onto that stuff. But uh, I, I would need to, to dig into it a, a bit more personally. Well, you know, just on this subject, you guys, sorry, I'm just going back to the posthumous records. I did not realize that Life After Death from Notorious B.I.G. was released two weeks, like around almost exactly two weeks after he was shot. And the one from Machiavelli, uh, right? That came out. Uh, yeah, the mm-hmm. Killuminati album that came out like two months after he was shot. And killed. Yeah, and the cover of it um, has him hanging on a cross. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it is. It, God, you can totally see why this. Ben, you're it's, you're right on the money about like why this thing has just be. It's gotten a life of its own. Like, totally. Really interesting though that they released it under Machiavelli and not Tupac Shakur. I mean, it's clearly him. I mean, it's an image of him, like I said, hanging on the cross, but it does not say Tupac on the on the cover. It says Machiavelli. Did you know Chris Gaines is Garth Brooks? I did. Now he's a master of it's the shows. Speaking of which, there's a pretty good behind the music about this too. Uh, that has some good interviews with a lot of the folks from the time, like Lil Kim and some of the folks that were like witnesses and stuff. I mean, not that that's like hard news or anything, but there is some interesting detail if you can find that on YouTube. And uh, I know we're running a time and didn't get to spend much with this one today, but uh, in the interim, yes, there is a there is a treasure trove of uh, valuable information here. This case does remain unsolved. Uh, I'd love to do a deeper dive, full episode on it. So FBI agent Phil Carson, if you are a fan of stuff they don't want you to know, please reach out to us and uh, let us let us know your take. And if you're okay doing an interview, we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear from everyone who has hopefully survived the conversion therapy uh, industry here in the U.S. and abroad. And we'd like to hear more information about what happened to Clea, the self-confessed murderer of this Italian lawyer, because it looks like, as far as we could tell, uh, the trail went cold in 2018. Or contact us and just let us know a brand new idea. No matter what, we are always happy to hear from you. We try to be easy to find. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us anywhere, basically. Yeah, you can also give us an actual call and be a part of the listener mail, uh, the audio portion. You know, if you want to, if you're okay with us having your voice on the show, just let us know. Um, you can reach us at one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Try to limit your your uh, voicemail to three minutes and uh, let us know if it's okay to use your uh, your audio likeness, and we will do so. Absolutely, and check out youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff to see videos that we're posting up of these conversations. They're in more bite-sized snippets than this. You can share them with your friends. Hopefully you will enjoy that. If you don't want to do any of those things, you can still reach us the good old-fashioned way. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.